This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb. 101.9 Chai FM. This is Erev Shabbos. This is a, a very, very special Erev Shabbos. It is Rosh Chodesh Adar, as I'm sure if you've been anywhere or even if you haven't been anywhere, one can just feel in the atmosphere that Chodesh Adar, Chodesh Adar has, has come and we're into a very, very special period in in the uh, in in the calendar, this has been a very interesting week. Lots of lots of uh, events. Some pos- some possibly positive, some uh, different. But but uh, you know, other other is that uh, that time where we uh, you know we understand that uh, just as in the miracle of of uh, Purim, we were we were. Overwhelmed by a by a tyrant who wanted to who wanted to uh, destroy us and and totally totally rid the world of our of our of our of our presence. And the Rabbi Shlaim again, as in Hanukkah, delivered that uh, you know the Rabbi we, we we became we 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 were the minority, and the Rabbi Shlaim brought about great great uh, miracles. Miracles for us, and and Klaisol has that uh, that promise, that guarantee from from Hashem that we're going to carry on, and and whatever is happening, whatever the situation might might be, you know, we 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 do what we have to do, and and and, and continue to uh, to to do it. Uh, this week we're going to be involved in Parshat Truma, which is the first installment in the in the discussion about the the building. Of, of of the Mishkan in in this parsha, Moshe Rabbeinu is given the the command, given the instructions about how and what and why to to build the build the Mishkan. So I thought maybe just pick one one little uh, point. The Torah describes the making of the the menorah, the special candelabra that uh, was made and and lit every night. In the in the well, at that time in the Mishkan, in the temporary, uh, you know, sanctuary that traveled with the Jews. Later on, in the in the Beit, in the Beit Hamikdash, and and the Torah says in in describing it that uh, you shall make a menorah of pure gold. Miksha should be beaten out of one piece. Teaseha menorah. The menorah should be made. All the pieces, the the base, the stems, the decorations, all of that has to be has to be made. And uh, Rashi is bothered. Why does it say "te'ase"? "Te'ase" it has the implication that it it was made. Beginning it says "ta'as ve'asisa," you shall make, and then "te'ase" it shall be made. And and Rashi explains that Moshe Rabbeinu had a difficulty. Moshe Rabbeinu was miskasheba. He had found a difficulty how to make the menorah, to take one piece of gold and, and form it and make it into this beautiful candelabra. You know, you know, we would take little pieces and form them separately and then weld them together, but that wasn't allowed. And the menorah had to be miksha, it had to be beaten out of one piece of gold. Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't figure out how to do that. So Amalek the Baruch so the Rabbanu Shalom tells him, Hashlech es la'or, 
throw it, just take the whole piece of gold, throw it into the fire, and it was going to be made by itself. That's why it doesn't say ta'ase, you shall make it, but te'ase, it shall be made, it was actually made by, by, by Hashem. Now it's actually very interesting that uh, at the very end of the description of the menorah, so the very last verse says, uh, you'll see and you'll do according to the form that you will see that I will show you on the mountain. And there Rashi says, what does it mean you'll see and you'll do? So uh, Rashi says that Moshe Rabbeinu was shown by HaKadosh Baruch Hu, a, uh, again, Moshe had a difficulty with how to make the Menorah. Till Hashem showed him a model of the Menorah in, uh, in, in fire as a way of trying to teach him what, what, uh, what to do. Now, what comes out from these two, uh, two different Rashi's, one at the beginning, one at the end, was that actually two miracles happened regarding the construction of the Menorah. The first one was that when Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu uh, about doing the Menorah, so then Moshe Rabbeinu didn't understand how he could even make it, and there HaKadosh Baruch Hu showed him a model Hashem showed him a picture in fire of what the menorah needs to look like. That was the the event that took place when Hashem first told Moshe about the making of the menorah. And the second miracle happened later on when it actually came, you know, to the actual manufacture of of the menorah when it was time to actually uh, make it. Moshe Benu again. Even though having seen the the menorah fire, he had a difficulty how he was going to actually produce that menorah and and, and turn it into a into a reality into an, into a tangible reality. Then Hashem told him, "Right, take the whole thing, throw it in the fire, and it will happen by uh, and it will happen by uh, by itself." But so what the difficulty is, in fact, that. We're talking about two miracles. One that took place when Moshe Rabbeinu was actually originally told about making the menorah. Then Hashem showed him the model in fire. And then when it came to actually making it, then Hashem told him, throw it in the fire and I'll make it. But the way the Rashis are presented at the very beginning of the discussion of the menorah, there we're told about the miracle of... uh, of uh, throwing it in the fire and manufacturing the menorah, and only later, at the end, do we tell about the uh, the miracle that Moshe Rabbeinu didn't understand what the menorah would look like, and Hashem had to show him a uh, a model. <clears throat> so that's question one. Why why is the order why is the order changed? Um, number two. <laughs> why would Hashem even tell? Moshe Rabbeinu to do something that he knew full well that he, he wouldn't be able to do it. This was so complicated, so intricate, so beautifully uh, put together that it, it wasn't within the realm of Moshe Rabbeinu's capacity to, to do it. So why did Hashem 
Tell him, why didn't Hashem just tell him straight away, look, we have to make this menorah, just throw it in the fire, throw it in the fire, and it's going to happen by itself. I know that you can't, that you can't, uh, that you can't do it. And number three, we, uh, we understand that if Hashem does miracles for us, He never does miracles for no reason, for no reason or without, without a big uh, purpose. So therefore, that miracle that happened in the beginning, that Hashem showed Moshe Rabbeinu, the menorah of fire, so what, what real purpose was, was that at the end of the day, uh, even having seen that image, Moshe Rabbeinu still didn't understand how to make the menorah, didn't know how to, how to turn it into, into reality, and had to rely on the second miracle of actually throwing it in the, uh, in, in the fire. So therefore, the actual vision that Hashem showed Moshe didn't help him at all. And why did Hashem, why did Hashem uh, uh, do it? Uh, and fourthly, if you look at the original command, the original command was Vyosisa You must make the uh, the the menorah. And so at the end of the day, really, Hashem's command wasn't realized. Moshe never made the, the menorah. So Moshe Rabbeinu didn't actually fulfill the command of Hashem that Vasita, you must, you must, you must do it. And, and it's, it's, it sounds amazing that Hashem should have commanded Moshe. Moshe should have been commanded specifically by God to do something. And he ended up not fulfilling, not carrying out that, uh, that commandment. And I don't think we find that anywhere else in the Torah where such thing happens where Hashem tells Moshe to do something and Moshe just doesn't even do it at all. There was no point of, as we know that Moshe actually, uh, actually did what Hashem wanted him to, uh, to, to do. Since we're asking questions, so now we already have four, we're going to ask one more and then Be'ez Hashem will put it, uh, will put it uh, uh, together. Uh, Moshe Rabbeinu, we see, had this tremendous difficulty putting together the Menorah. But later on, when we go into the Navi, into the book of, of uh, Kings, and we read about Shlomo Melech rebuilding the, the Beit HaMikdash, so there he didn't make just one Menorah, he actually made ten different Menorahs, and we don't find that he had any difficulty how to make how to make the Menorah, and how, how are we supposed to understand that, that Moshe Rabbeinu had to be be tutored by Hakadosh Baruch Hu himself to be taught the way the menorah is uh, is made, and even <coughs> showed him a fiery model uh, of it. Uh, and uh, you know, my Shabbenu knew all these uh, knew all these things, uh, and yet he didn't. My Shabbenu had received everything from Hashem, and, and and yet didn't manage to make the menorah. But somehow Shlomo Melech did manage to uh, to uh, to to do it, um, right? And right, okay. So that that's that's uh, enough question. But one more will add that at the beginning when it talks about the miracle of the throwing the fire in the throwing the piece of gold in the fire, it talks about Moshe Beno Miskasheba that he had a difficulty. With it, but it doesn't say 
what it was that he had a difficulty with. <coughs> and then in the last Rashi, where it talks about that Hashem showed him, <coughs> excuse me, the model of Menorah, David actually says that Maish Rabbeinu had a difficulty with the way the manufactured, the, the Menorah was, was manufactured. So let's try to understand this and perhaps we can put together one concept that will help us get a bit of clarity in, uh, in, in this area. <coughs> we know that the, uh, the menorah together with its seven candles, so that, uh, alludes, <coughs> and that is very much connected to the wisdom of Torah, to the Chochmas HaTorah. In fact, the Gemara says in Mesechet Shabbos, that Rabbi Shmuel, Rabbi, Rabbi Shmuel says <coughs> that if a person wants to uh, become uh, become clever, right? If a person uh, says that Chotzvah Mudeo Shiva Hashem established the world on seven pillars on seven bases, and the Gemara says these refers to the seven uh, the seven Sifrei Torah because we know the the what we call the five books of the Torah is actually seven because the book of Bamidbar has the the small book of Ahibin Soha and Uvnu Chayamar, so that's actually divided into three to make a total of uh, of seven of seven uh, seven books as the as the commentaries explain there. And that relates to the Minora with its seven branches that ties up to the seven books of the Torah and creates this connection between the Torah and the uh, and the, the menorah. And in fact, Umar says elsewhere in, in uh, Baba Basra that if a person wants to be, uh, acquire Chachmatz HaTorah, the, the wisdom of the Torah, so he should literally should turn to the south and the the allusion to that is because the menorah stood on the south side of the of the uh, of the, of the Mishkan. <coughs> um, now, if we understand that this connection exists, that there is a connection between the the Torah and the uh, and the menorah, so then we need to then see that there's something very unique. About about the Torah, that by by the Torah, the most important aspect of of learning Torah, of being involved in Torah, is the effort that one puts into one's one's learning. At the moment we say last week with very sorry that uh, that uh, the 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 most important thing is to really really get busy to really work hard in in Torah. The, the 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 value of just sitting in and plugging and and putting your effort into into trying to understand any kind of a in any concept is is unique in in as of itself right that someone who learns Torah and works at Torah, even if at the end of the day he doesn't really understand what he's learning, he never gets to the point <clears throat> where he fully and completely is able to plumb the depth of the idea that he's, uh, that he's learning and, and never really understands the Torah. Nevertheless, just for the work itself, just for the Omel, 
he uh, he is done. For that already, he's worthy of reward. And on, in fact, on the contrary, uh, if someone is able to understand and acquire Torah without working hard, without putting in a lot of uh, of lot of uh, effort, so that somehow is is not a good job. That is not a complete thing that he's done. He may have Torah ideas in his head, but he hasn't he hasn't worked hard for 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 them. And this, of course, we learn from. Uh, the very, very first pasuk in, in Pasha Pachukotai, where it says, Imbachukotai telechu, and Rashi says, Shetiu amelim batar, that you have to work hard, you have to toil, you have to put all your efforts into, into one's learning, and only then can one begin to, uh, to, uh, understand, to, uh, uh, to get, get a handle on, on what Torah, what is. But if someone doesn't, Learn Torah, even if he has <coughs> Torah knowledge, so that's not called Bechukosai Telecho. That's not called walking in the statutes of Hashem because he's not putting in the maximum, the maximum effort. Now, at the end of the day, even though we have to put in all our effort, all our, every bit of energy we have, to try to learn, understand Torah, if we do manage to understand something, if we do get a clarity in, in what Rashi is saying on the parsha, what what what, uh, what what is the whole approach of a, the Gemara to a certain sugya? This this sounds so difficult. Let me work on it. Even after one works at it, whatever understanding one does get is a gift from God. And it sort of happens by, it's not because of our, of our effort. The, the Svasemis says, he says that, uh, Rashi says that Moshe Rabbeinu had a great difficulty with building the Menorah and Hashem had to show him what it looked like. And then, and therefore it says that the Menorah was, was made. And Rashi says that Moshe Rabbeinu didn't understand how to make it, and that Kaddish Baruch told him to throw it in the fire, and it's going to happen by by itself. So he asked the question. We asked, why did Hashem even show him the uh, the uh, the menorah? What what purpose was that at uh, at all? What well, didn't Hashem know that he wouldn't be able to to do it? Right. So he says the concept is that certainly. The menorah was not made totally by itself. How was the menorah made? Moshe Rabbeinu made an effort. Moshe Rabbeinu made a supreme effort to try to understand, to try to get his handle on it, to try to really work out what is it that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted him, wanted him to do. Right? And it was only then, after Moshe Rabbeinu, Right, after putting the effort and, and really try to understand, even though he wasn't able to to do it, but by the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu said, "No, Hashem showed me. I already want to understand. I want to know how to do it," even though he wasn't able to, but because he really made the effort to uh, to uh, to do it, that that uh, that's why that's that's how it happened, and that's why it says Ura'e Vaase. That because you saw it and you looked at it and you wanted and you really made an effort to to learn the sugya to understand what Hashem wanted, 
right? And even though at the end of the day you couldn't understand, but you, you want to keep the mitzvah as well as you can. Please, Hashem, help me, right? Sometimes it's too difficult. Sometimes it's impossible for us to do the mitzvah. But if we really, if we really want it, so then even if it comes at the end of the day that we're not able to do the mitzvahs, so then there's still, there's still a, a promise to us, the mitzvah will get the mitzvah will get done, even though we're not able to uh, we're not able to uh, to do it. And that's that's what Hashem says. Throw it, throw it into the into the uh, into the fire. Fire is also referred to as as the Torah is a, is a fire, and and uh, through your effort, it's going to bring about that the menorah will come into into uh, into existence. So what he's really saying is that it was. The, the hard work, the effort of Moshe Rabbeinu and, and his incredible desire to want to fulfill the will of, the will of Akash Baruch and make, and make the menorah. That, in fact, at the end of the day is what brought about that the Mishkan came into existence from, from the, uh, from the fire. And that was, that was a gift. It was a gift. At the end of the day, it's a gift, but the gift can only be, can only be proffered after a person has put in the maximum effort, the maximum uh, attempt he can to try to to try to understand, to try to get to the uh, to the bottom to the bottom of, of, of it. That's that's such an important insight for us in our service of Hashem. We don't we can't do is to do everything, but we have to try. Do you want to do it? With all things being equal, would we be, would we really want to be able to, to sit and learn and, and do the mitzvahs as well as we can? We can't always. But if we make the effort, then, then miracles happen and nasa It gets done by itself as a result of the fact that we've, we've put in, we've put in the effort. We're going to stop now for a short break and we're going to come back with a continuation of our discussion on, uh, uh, Shabbos. Please don't run away. This is 101.9 High FM on the greatest Jewish radio station in all of Africa. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb. 101.9 High FM. We are back here on Friday afternoon here in uh, Johannesburg. A little bit hazy, but uh, getting ready for an amazing an amazing Shabbos, a beautiful Shabbos. This, uh, as I mentioned, this Shabbos we'll be reading uh, Pasha Truma. It's not one of the special uh, readings of the four Pasha. We had the first one last week. We'll have next week. We'll have Pasha Zachor and the Shabbat before before Purim. But uh, this week it's just just uh, Truma. The important times for uh, this Shabbos are the latest time for lighting Shabbos candles this evening is at 6.32. You better make sure you have them on by by then. Obviously, again, if you belong to a congregation where they accept Shabbos earlier, and you are bound by the uh, stipulation of your of your uh, uh, community, certainly by the time your community says, Ms. Moshe Shabbos, you will have certainly have had to have accept, uh, accepted Shabbos. Uh, Shabbos Kodesh ends tomorrow night at seven twenty-two, twenty-two minutes after uh, after seven, and it's starting to march uh, uh, forward. Uh, right, uh, as we know, Purim is only about twelve days away. It's a Thursday of next of next week, preceded, of course, by Tainet Esther. 
And all of the events and, and merriment and, and things that go into Purim are already starting to get planned, get put together. Look at your local, local notice board, obviously see what's going on in your shul as we prepare for, for, for Purim. We were speaking last week about the prohibition of doing work or, or benefiting even after Shabbos from work that was done on, on Shabbat, where it was done by a Jew uh, quite intentionally. So we said that that, uh, that becomes a problem. Uh, for example, another example of that would be a, uh, a dairy, a dairy farm where they, where they don't keep uh, Shabbos and they, they properly milk the cows on, on Shabbat for the purpose of, of uh, producing, processing, and and selling their 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 meat, their meat. Oh, please not their 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 milk. So then, uh, one can go even to the dairy or or to the shop and buy that milk after Shabbos or any of the other milk products that they sell because. The truth is that whatever milk it is that is milked on on Shabbos actually gets then put into one into big tanks and mixed together with uh, milk that was uh, milked on other days before 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 Shabbos uh, and uh, yeah regarding every single uh, packet or, or or bottle of milk that a person is going to uh, going to uh, buy on each one there's actually a doubt I don't actually know if this was uh, milked on on Shabbos or or not because it doesn't always even get to the marketplace you know the day after it might only get there uh, on on Monday and therefore it's actually impossible to know if the milk you're buying after Shabbos, let's say on Sunday, was actually milked on Shabbos, or in which is obviously would be prohibited, or or otherwise, and since the whole uh, forbidden activity of milking an animal is in itself only a rabbinic, a rabbinic prohibition, so and we have a doubt as to whether or not a prohibition was done, because we don't even know if this milk was from from Shabbos. So basically we have a doubt in an issue that is only uh, 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 rabbinic, and the general principle is that when we have such a doubt in a rabbinic issue, we have the right to be, uh, to be, uh, to be lenient. Uh, right? Or let's say any kind of factory. You have a, a, a factory could... Uh, yeah, a manufacturing uh, paper goods, just for example, and and they work. Uh, yeah, the factory is open seven days. Here is a matching video. The 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 factory is open seven days uh, a week, um, and uh, you know they work all all the time. So again, when you go to the shop on on uh, on a Sunday, whatever it is, to uh, to buy something, you haven't the slightest idea when that thing was actually actually uh made uh that you don't usually uh on on those kind of things they don't necessarily put a a date on on the on a milk you might be able to find uh you might be able to find a uh a a a date or something like that but uh but uh 
so there certainly you would be allowed, you don't have to worry when you go to the shops on, uh, on, on a Sunday that what you're buying might have been pre-produced on, on Shabbos and you can, uh, you can buy with, uh, with kind of with equanimity and, uh, and, and carry, carry on. We're going to come back with a last sequence towards the end of the show as the magic hour approaches, three o'clock. Don't run away. Uh, this is 101.9 Chai FM, your favorite radio station. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb. 101.9 Chai FM. Obviously, as we were saying before, uh, you're in a situation where you are buying things from a, a manufacturer who doesn't keep uh, Shabbat, then it's going to be difficult to discern whether something is made on Shabbat or not, and it's probably permitted. Obviously, first prize, still if at all possible, would be, in fact, to do one's shopping and buy things from manufacturers, from companies who you know keep Shabbos, and that it wasn't, and that it wasn't uh, uh, manufactured on, on Shabbos. And, in fact, uh, an argument could be made that it's actually uh, a positive and beneficial and, and very worthwhile thing to support and and show our 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 affinity for those kind of companies that are careful that are in a way more sinefish that to close on Shabbos and not produce and uh, and rely you know have the betochen and Hashem that uh, they'll be able in the other six days of the week to uh, to make make that panos and certainly would be would be a mitzvah all things being equal to try to support. Uh, a Shabbos observers and 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 make their hand uh, make their hand much stronger, being able to do what they what they uh, what they want. Um, okay, and again, we can, we're talking about obviously things that are done by by Jews. You know, if you're uh, in a uh, want to turn on a uh, a Jewish radio station, obviously not uh, not Chai uh, FM because we only work on. Uh, on uh, after Shabbat is is over, but uh, let's say after Shabbat is over and you want to hear uh, the news, you want to find out. Not sure why you want to, but uh, you want to find out what you missed over the uh, twenty-five hours of uh, of Shabbos. So Halacha says that uh, about half an hour after Shabbos is over one would be allowed to then listen to the news to the news broadcast because uh, it would take it takes a little bit of time or at least that much time for them to you know write the copy and 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 uh, put together the next uh, the next news cast at the top of the next the next uh, hour to you know to gather information that they that they need and to and to write the 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 you know whatever whatever it is that the news presenter is going to is going to say so therefore that uh, that uh, would be permitted if if one would sort of turn on uh, the news right after Shabbos yeah uh, so then uh, it could very well be that one has violated the uh, prohibition of having benefits from work that was done on on Shabbos because clearly those that newscast that you're going to hear you know, uh, on the hour right after Shabbos is over was was prepared on on uh, on on Shabbat. Uh, other kind of programs one would be allowed to hear even uh, again 
uh, even less time, even let's say even a quarter an hour after uh, after Shabbos, because those don't take as much uh, as much time. The news takes obviously much longer to write and prepare than any other any other interview or, or, or something like that, and uh, so there even fifteen minutes is is uh, is 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 enough, uh, and uh, even though the people who are broadcasting may have traveled on Shabbos, they may have had to get to the the studio, which obviously would have then have involved them. Uh, uh, traveling, let's say, traveling on, on, uh, on Shabbat, but still, uh, when I'm sitting and listening to the radio, I'm not having any direct benefit from the fact that they traveled on uh, on Shabbos. And in fact, uh, you know, if they they could have stayed home and 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 done the interview from there, but they didn't. So therefore, that doesn't really have to concern me and I would still be allowed to to listen to them even though they may have traveled on Shabbos to uh, to get to 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 get there um, if you are listening to a to a Jewish radio station or Jewish presenters and there's a there's an issue of uh, of time zones for instance if you live in uh, South Africa and you tune into a a program presented by by Jews, let's say in uh, in the USA, which is you know six or seven hours at minimum uh, behind us. Uh, and again, so there there may be a, a problem that uh, they are still they are still broadcasting on uh, on, uh, on on Shabbos, uh, you know. And if you're from the west coast of America, it may be even ten. 10 hours, uh, so that certainly would be something that one should be careful about, that uh, if there is a, uh, overseas also some kind of Jewish radio station that would broadcast on Shabbos, you'd have to configure when Shabbos is out, where the broadcast is taking place, and, and make plans accordingly not to listen until that time because uh, because of the fact that... Uh, they they are breaking Shabbos in what they're doing, and if you're listening, you are having you are having benefits from 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 that. The clock has once again given us the message that our time is over. We have to move aside so that we can have the uh, the three o'clock news and then uh, the presentation from from the chief rabbi on the weekly on the weekly parsha, and then. After that, some really great music taking us all the way up until candle lighting, which, as we said, is about six six fifteen. I want to thank each and every one of you for being part of our radio family, for being listening and tuning in, uh, showing your enthusiasm for the fact that there is this radio station and that you want to hear all the Torah content that is uh, that is, uh, is presented. And it's just left for me to have to wish each and every one of you a beautiful. Uh, Shabbat, Shabbat 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 of coming together, of being together, of learning together, of growing together, and of making every effort we can to use the Shabbat as a means of coming as close as we can to the Rebbe Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Shabbat Shalom to all.